Susan was 54 years old. Her family was concerned about her. What is mom doing? You can barely walk through the house. Welcome to Life, Love, and Family. We're talking about hoarding today. Compulsive hoarding. Who wants to live with too much junk? Spilling out the top of a plastic trunk. Who wants to live with too much junk? Spilling out the top of a plastic trunk. Here we were, we were at the front door. It was myself and there were two other members of my team. She had agreed to allow us to visit. And it took her a while, but she came to the door and when the door came open, there was a smell. And you couldn't help but see there were not only stacks, but the room immediately, which would have been the living room, was absolutely full. There was an initial pathway that I saw that you could kind of look like a trail maybe. The home was hot, smelly, and full of, couldn't even tell what it was at first. We're talking about hoarding today. Compulsive hoarding. Sam, have you ever heard of something this severe? Well, as you're describing that, I recall one time my husband and I, when we were buying our house, one of the houses that we looked at had been owned by a hoarder. And seeing that, and like you said, the smell and even the sound sometimes of rats running, you know, I remember in the basement and you think, how can someone live like this? And I think about Susan, as you're talking and her kids, I'm sure when they were little kids and she was raising them, that they weren't raised in a house like that, that that is something that came later. No. And by the way, Sam Kelly's in the studio with me today. And we are talking about this idea that is uh, more common than what we would realize, but compulsive hoarding. Hmm. And I'm going to use the word compulsive because it is something that a person knows is out of order. They've tried to make adjustments in their life, but they find themselves continuing and continuing to do it. How do you know if you have this? There's there's three things we want to look at right up front. And this is a person who they collect a lot of things. And some of these things may appear to even be useless or of, of little value to most of us. Some of the things may be brand new. They may be a clothing with that tag still on. The items at first seem a little unusual, but over time, they will begin to clutter living spaces. First, maybe a person will fill up closets and the closets get full. Maybe there's a spare room. So we do the spare room. And then after, it could be a year, could be longer, but the spare room gets full. And the person continues this behavior till ultimately this creates such distress and such high anxiety that some hoarders will not leave their home. They will lose their job, lose relationships because of this hoarding. Even though we've worked with this, to actually visit somebody at home and to see it is an experience that at first you go, well, this is really hard to to understand. How did this happen? And the person already feels like, wow, something's really wrong with me. And they feel a lot of shame, a lot of embarrassment, but they don't know how to stop what they've started. This is a serious thing. And we were talking earlier how we use, you know, these terms and you joke about them. And if you think, oh, I'm a hoarder, haha. But it's really a very serious thing. Sometimes the question comes up, okay, what's the difference between collecting and hoarding? Because some people say, well, no, 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 I'm just a collector. Right. (laughs) And I think originally Susan, who I'm sharing the example of, she was a collector of garage sales initially. Okay. Okay. 
you know, it's a good bargain. I've got to have it. Right. So a collector of, of bargains. But a collector likes to usually show what they've collected. They're, they're proud of it. I have a collection of whatever it may be. But a hoarder, they're not displaying the disorder. Everything's usually kept in a lot of disarray. Where a true collector of, of items, you know, they're proud of them. So there's a big difference. It sounds kind of lonely as you're talking about it. I end up substituting collecting a lot of different items for people and relationships. It's the compulsive shopper who goes out and they're, they're buying not to wear the clothing, but to treat something. It's their medication of choice. They're, they're treating. And, and Susan would go out and, and spend and bring home and just lay the clothing on top of a pile of other clothing and lay it there and go, ah, I did it. It's, I feel better. And then some time passes and there's a sense of, I've got to do this again. I, I don't feel better. I've got to go get something else. What is the mechanism that causes that to happen inside someone? What are they triggering? Well, the term obsessive compulsive has been used to describe this. And mm-hmm. if you're a hoarder, certainly there's an anxiety or anxiety disorder. But there's something even more to it. We know that even brain scans and brain chemistry, a lot of times a person's going to have a very highly anxious brain. They're going to have a brain chemistry and scans of the brain are going to show intense activity in certain areas. That brain may be overworking. They may have what we call a depressed brain. So you're going to begin to see that my chemistries, my body, my brain, some things begin to get off physically as well. It's a physical thing? So there's a physical piece to it. Wow. I wouldn't say that that's the only piece. There can be an emotional piece that is really, really powerful. I'm going to collect these things because they probably won't use the word hoarding. They don't describe themselves as a hoarder. But I'm going to gather up and I'm going to keep all these things because I have to. And I feel better if I do. This is a big subject. It's hard to even know where to start. It's interesting how you're talking about, oh, you fill up a closet. I think all of us have a drawer, a closet, or a couple of closets, even a room that has more mess than we would like. How do you really know whether you would be crossing the line or not? If you can't stop it. That's number one. Okay. If you have a lot of difficulty just getting rid of anything. I say, I'm going to come over and help you clean up this extra room that is pretty full of stuff. Oh, no. Oh, no. No, please. No, I'll take care of it. It causes a lot of stress. (laughs) A lot of anxiety. Mm. Please don't. No, 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 no. You don't understand. I'll take care of it. They just have great difficulty in doing so. And how painful that would be if you're the daughter or son of somebody who's got that going on and you want to bless them. You want to help their life be better. Right. And as you're trying to help, it's just making them feel worse and worse yes. and worse. As we look at the idea of hoarding, some of us will say, well, yeah, I, I, I know somebody that's like this. And maybe it doesn't seem really severe, but you look at the front of their house and you, you go inside and you go, hmm, there's a lot of stuff here. And it seems like over time, more stuff is appearing. There are, and we need to be able to identify this, but really the basics are, I, I just can't seem to throw anything away and I need to gather and collect more and more. I shared about being at the front door of Susan. Susan was uh, actually wouldn't leave her home. And that's why the counselors, that's why those that are trying to help her are showing up at her house. Mm-hmm. One of the things that she was afraid of when we knocked on the door, she knew we were coming. It wasn't a surprise. Right, right. Was that we were coming to clean her house and that 
that created a near panic attack. She didn't want to let us in because she was actually kind of looking around, where's the truck? You're going to clean this out. And really what we wanted to do was understand what was going on for her. What's happening? Besides what's happening, we really want her to feel understood and respected because what's happening is it's her way of coping. Mm. And she's already been treated as though perhaps she's not good or something severely wrong with her. And she's already embarrassed. So we don't want to add to that shame. Trying to think of that process as you sat down with her and you were not there to clean and start taking all her stuff away, but you were there to help her open up and feel a little more safe. What was that like and how long did that take until she felt all right with actually having you in her house? It took probably about three months to really develop a relationship with her where she would trust us. And one of the things that was so difficult was, and this is typical of a compulsive hoarder, is just an indecision. Do I Mm -hmm. keep this or not? Well, I'm going to keep it. And she didn't want us, and this is fairly typical too, uh, touching anything. Okay, so eventually you can come inside and, and there's sorted a couple places to sit around what was a dining area. But please, please, please don't touch anything. So there's comfort and she's the only one that can touch these things. You almost had to prepare your mind when you're going there to go, don't be over eager to get this thing started and Mm -hmm. start picking things up. But you knew purposefully you're there for Mm -hmm. her heart and for her mental health to, to help her get through this. Yes. I have been asked about, maybe not as severe, but the person who's garage gets so full that you can't put your car in it. Yes. Yeah. And then the hallway into the house starts to pile and there's a beginning of a journey of of piles through the house. Yeah. Is that severe or scary a warning sign or is that normal? (laughs) (laughs) It could be a warning sign. Yeah. (laughs) I have another question here. Dan dropped in real quickly. He says, is having too many cats or dogs a form of hoarding? My aunt has... Too many cats that I can count, they're taking over her house and so much that I don't want to bring my kids over to visit. Is that hoarding? Yes, there are people that will hoard animals for various different reasons. One is I have to take care of them, but there is an emotional comfort in having lots of pets, kittens, dog, whatever it is. They end up taking over the home, so to speak. But there is a comfort and the relationship that they have is with all these animals versus people. It almost becomes a substitute. For real relationships. So in Dan's case, as he wants to bring his kids over, it may well be his aunt doesn't want anyone to come over. She's good with all the cats. Is that something you would ever broach with a family member? Yeah, I think we we always want to respectfully approach it and bring it up. And so we can talk about it. Let's not ignore it. But I think we need to let go of the expectation that they're going to be, oh, real excited. Sure, come and come and get the five, ten cats, whatever it is. They're not. So be prepared for their reaction because it means something different to them. I remember um, with Susan, she had some real secrets in her life that caused her a great deal of guilt. She didn't feel lovable. She felt that she had blown it. She didn't feel that she was a good mom. She felt that she had committed sins that God would never forgive. And so she was living in a, in a spiritual darkness and a, a false sense of who God is and how God saw her. That's amazing to think of that that someone could hold all of that inside them and then it starts pushing its way out and expresses itself in their actual house. Yeah. Exactly. Poor Susan. That's so hard to see. As she started getting comfortable with you in her house and the team, and she's starting to be okay with at least her deciding what to get rid of and and what to keep, how did that process go then? And and did you start to see her change just a little bit? You know, uh, trust is so important. Mm -hmm. She realized that, no, we're not here to bulldoze or bring a big truck and shovel things out. Right. We're here to really care about you and what's going on. And so to build that trust, but also for in her case was to really treat some long-standing depression, 
to treat some of the spiritual issues that she had disconnected from God and from others in the Christian community. How do you go about treating a spiritual issue and that disconnection? Well, one of the things is, in our case, we had a couple people that we specifically asked to pray for her. Mm-hmm. We were praying for God's intervention, the Holy Spirit's intervention, that there would be breakthroughs and some of the blinders. And, you know, really, that's God's work, to break through there and to be, that she would be open to ultimately God's love for her. Mm-hmm. Because it wasn't the, the hoarding isn't really the problem. The, it sounds like it's a symptom exactly. of the real thing. I've got to have it and I can't let go of it. Whether it's that closet that's been overflowing and you're trying to put more in and you're trying, everything's in disarray. You're trying to keep it all hidden, but you know something's out of order. If you're a family member of someone who's a compulsive hoarder, it, it's some special challenges. One is this may be something that you didn't see in the past and, and it slowly crept into a loved one's life and here we are. It could be that there is a lot, just a lot of embarrassment. Or you're, you're just embarrassed. Maybe it's a parent. You know that you can't bring anybody to the house. And socially, there's awkwardness because they don't want to come to anything. And with that can come a lot of anger. You're so angry. You're angry at the person. You're angry that they're that way. What do you do with that? If you're genuinely angry, that's very real. I think and you're you, still going to yes. go there and see that person. you got to have, it sounds like, some kind of compassion as you're dealing with it. How do you reconcile that? Well, one of the things that will happen is you need somebody to talk to about this because if you mistarget that anger, you can show up at your loved one's house and if you're so angry, you're going to say and do things that probably are not going to be helpful. Watch for that. Have somebody that you can talk about your frustrations and your anger with. Mm -hmm. There are counselors that that work with uh, obsessive compulsive disorder, counselors that understand hoarding and strategies on how to communicate with the person who's hoarding. You've got to have somebody to, to walk along this. And to be praying for you, too. Would that be reasonable to expect a counselor who's going to help you deal with your anger over this issue, then also if they're a hoarding counselor, to also be able to give you ideas for how to approach your person? Yes, yes, I believe so. It takes a form of intervention to disrupt this cycle. You'd have to be so brave to make the phone call or to open your life up to that. And there's almost probably a a moment for a hoarder where they feel... a certain desperation yeah. and they're ready to make some kind of change. Is that normal or does it just continue and continue until someone else intervenes? It probably continues and continues. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's yeah. good to know. So yeah. If you have a loved one, you probably feel really disconnected. And as time goes along, more disconnected and you don't know how, how do I build a relationship? Because mm. uh, the hoarding has created a, a relationship barrier and you may feel really disconnected. And that's another thing that you might feel some anger about. And what a loss. What I want to know is when you get in and you do the intervention and someone starts being able to get a little bit of healing from the deeper issues that you talked about, is it possible to restore a normal family relationship without the anger and without the buffer in between the people? I think this is really difficult Mm. and really challenging. And there sometimes is a real place for some, some good family counseling, Mm -hmm. we need to resolve what is the issue, what's the past hurt, what's the trauma, what is it that started this, and what is it that keeps fueling this? We know that the longer you stay in hoarding, the longer that you're compulsive in the behaviors, the more anxiety and the more that it's driven towards that. And I know that um, you can feel so helpless. Like you don't have control at all. Yeah, helpless and, and, and hopeless because you don't know what to do and how to, how to help. What do I do? Mm. And you feel angry. And then you feel upset that you, well, I shouldn't be angry. Yeah. 
Abby is talking about her garage, and you mentioned mm, this earlier. It's yes. pretty typical for Americans to have a garage that's loaded sure with stuff it is. to different degrees. And she's saying that hers is so full, there can't even be one more thing put in there. It's floor to ceiling. And she says it causes her a lot of stress, but she doesn't even know how to begin to fix that. And it's starting to make her feel like she doesn't even want people to come over because they might spot right. the garage. <laughs> then they would assume something. Mm-hmm. She says, how do I get calmed down enough to actually deal with this and what do you recommend to people? One of the things is find somebody who can partner with you. There needs to be somebody that's going to help you make even decisions about what to keep or not to keep and empower you to, yes, make decisions, but have somebody with you that's going to help you execute those decisions. You have to trust this person. Mm -hmm. Is there a strategy? Like, do you have boxes and how do you begin? Is it is there a way that works better than others? I'm going to probably do it in stages. Uh-huh. It can be so overwhelming that I'm going to say, oh, let's spend an hour or two hours, but decide how much time ahead of time. Okay. And after that, just stop. But whatever is in those boxes, you allow the friend to take. The boxes the don't stay. The donate or throw away boxes? <laughs> yes. Oh, man. Whatever it is, those don't stay. Because you're going to need to adapt to this process. Do you expect if you see someone, invite someone in to say, you're going to be my partner and help me with this project and I give you permission. Do people ever get mad at the person even though they invited the person to help them? Yes. Yeah. That's hard. Uh, think about. Yeah. Yes, they're gonna they, get. They're gonna get mad at you, oh, and they're man. gonna. No, I can't do this. Stay Even away. Even they asked for the Okay, help. and you get everything in a box. Oh, in a box, and you go. Okay, no, 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 don't take the box. But we've got to have an understanding of what we're gonna do. Whoa. We've got to practice this, and it's a practice of um, growing, not in trust, but it's a practice of releasing mm-hmm. and and realizing. Okay, I'm gonna feel anxious, but I am gonna be okay. And I suppose if you're the person who's helping too, does encouragement help? If someone's, you're taking the box and they let you take the box, you go, wow, you did great. You let me take the box. Look at this. It's looking great. I mean, does that help for someone who's in hoarding? Ultimately, it helps. It can. <laughs> I know. <laughs> See, it's no easy we, way, is we it? Wanna, we want to go, okay, here's a uh, good one, two, three I plan know. to do. Exactly. Yes. And you know, we really got to treat the depression. We've got to treat the anxiety. Right. And uh, we've got to have somebody circling us in prayer, really asking for the peace that comes through God and his love. Because if keeping in this hoarding pattern, you're not going to feel that. Mm. To break out of it is going to create some anxiety or a lot of anxiety. Mm -hmm. Today, I want you also to know, I shared about Susan it was three months of building a relationship with her and she actually through the help of one of our team members began to arrive and come to appointments and began to reach out and would become more engaged by uh, coming to us versus us coming to her i can tell you that over time things did get cleaned and she was the one that was really empowered to do this uh, with help but allowing the time and as far as i know today this has been a little while ago that she's doing well and you could not call her a hoarder today so there's hope for this wow the healing like that is such an exciting thing to think about how you can go and like you said it's the healing of the deeper issues not necessarily the behavior of the Mm -hmm. hoarding itself We all know someone in some way who's probably struggling with this or a form of obsessive compulsive disorder. And uh, hoarding is generally put under that category of obsessive compulsive disorder. Are there just people who are just stuffed people? You know, there are some people who are just a little messier than other people have their houses totally neat. And is oh, that, the other extreme, yeah, right? Yeah, where you just have people who are just a little messier and have more 
piles of magazines or more mail on the counter and yeah, that kind of a thing. There's different degrees of, of course, messy. Uh-huh. And there's different degrees of clean, isn't there? Yeah. The weird part is, too, I think how <laughs> it, it's when you get used to a certain look of your house, and then sometimes if you look at it objectively and think, wow, if I were just walking into this, I would notice these things. But to if you live there, you don't really notice that stuff. It kind of becomes invisible. It becomes invisible or just becomes the way the space is. Yeah. So you hire a space organizer and a person comes in and cleans it all up and you feel, ah, what did you do? I can't find anything. (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. Interesting. But is that a little scary if you are a stuffed person and you have invisible piles? Is it it a, a sign that you could be later on vulnerable for hoarding? I think of a professor that I had in college that when you would go into her office, there were huge stacks and it was, oh my goodness. Today, you know, we probably have some concerns around this, mm-hmm. but I remember, you know, she would say things like, you know, she knew where everything was right. and, and this, is, this yeah. is how I'm productive. We're going to have different beliefs and different ways of working around this, but here's the question. Is it creating interference with my daily living? Am I in debt because of hoarding? Am I not getting out of my house? Is it affecting my relationships? Is hoarding treating something emotionally? It's treating anxiety. It's treating depression. What is it that this is doing for me? Bill says he's been accused of being a slob. His house, his workplace, all very messy to the average person who sees it. He says, I know where everything is when I need it. I'm not even bothered by it. And I think people should just mind their own business. I get a little angry and defensive when someone points these things out. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. But there crosses a line where it begins to affect other people and mm-hmm. we need to intervene and we mm-hmm. need to also understand that. I know today this is a delicate topic and sometimes we feel like, oh no, because it causes us to look at ourselves. Yeah. And you go, well, okay, yeah, I guess I do have two rooms in my home and my garage is full and I am an accumulator. And you do have to ask yourself, well, what does this mean to you? And there's different reasons for it. I was talking to somebody who said, you know, I'm going to have a big garage sale. I talked to somebody who said, you know, this is really for somebody else. So we'll always have reasons for it. Mm -hmm. But let's dig in deep enough to say, okay, what's out of order here? And I want to live to the fullest of how God created me. And am I deviating from that healthy plan that he has for me? I can tell you the the joy that you can experience when you clean house emotionally. It may cause you to clean house physically as well. There's nobody that regrets dealing with hoarding and and resolving these issues, but I'm always going to regret it if I don't do something. The idea of how free someone would feel once they got past it and just to know, well, there's no buffer between God and me. I don't have those secrets that I had. I feel free. I feel like I could be me. What are the kinds of things that you hear a hoarder say after they've gotten to the other side and they've been healed? Someone like Susan. They begin to reach usually into uh, relationships that are they haven't had for a while or have been put on hold and you're going to see them become relationally involved and there's something that happens about gratitude in a person's life and a sense that I'm, I'm ready to give back. Mm. I want to do something that makes a difference for others because now I have brain space to think that and you feel motivated to do that because you're not so heavy laden and burdened with what's been going on for you. As you're trying to get that freedom that you've talked about, can you talk a little bit about maybe a beginning prayer that someone would pray if they're just hopeless, they're by themselves, and they're thinking, I just want to ask God for freedom from this? You know, I'd say, Lord God, I desire peace in my life, and I desire to know you deeper. 
it, sometimes we'll cry out and go, oh, Lord, just take this away from me, whatever. Just take it away. Right. Nothing wrong with that prayer, but how about if we also add, Lord God, I desire to know you deeper and I desire to really have you look at the areas in my life that I need to bring in into healing. And, and you know, Lord God, you are the healer and you are the one that is going to set me free. Really ask for God's presence and his power in your life to do the things you need to do. I will be bold. I'll be brave. I'll be mm. courageous. And it is because God's got my back mm-hmm. and I can do that. Pray that I will also have the wisdom to understand what it is I need to understand. Is this a one-time prayer? I think it's ongoing. And then it's going to shift to, Lord God, thank you for answered prayer. And you're going to feel like David in one of the Psalms (laughs) uh, crying out, Lord, thank you and thank you and thank you. Wow. And then also, when we just got a couple minutes left, I want to see if you would mind talking to the family members of somebody who's going through this. Can you give us just the beginning of a conversation with someone who you know who's going through it and you would like to help them, you don't want to step on any toes, you want to have that compassion that you talked about. How do you begin and open up that conversation? I love and care about you so much and I just want to be of help. And um, so you want to really position it that way Mm -hmm. versus... um, starting off with what is wrong with you (laughs) (laughs) they already know things out over but i love and care about you so much um can i pray with you can i help be a part of 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 whatever it is you need so we're going to approach initially with without a lot of judgment well, it sounds wide open, too, because as you were starting that, I felt myself going defensive. I was ready to go, I don't need help. I'm good. Yes. You, and, and I like how you turned it and you said, can I pray with you? Can I give yeah. you what you need? Yeah. Because it totally disarms that quick, I don't need it kind of a feeling. Mm-hmm. What else? Well, I think the other thing is stay in relationship. Okay. If uh, hoarding is, um, for that person, is taking the place of a relationship. Mm. So just stay in relationship. hmm and build trust. Understand it's going to take some time. Understand that I'm going to have to stay with this consistently for a while. Um, but find ways to be of service. And that doesn't mean throwing everything away. Hmm. <laughs> okay? Not initially. <laughs> yeah. 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 If you're a family member, remember it. Um, you need God's touch and revelation in your life just as much as the person with the compulsive hoarding. And as you said earlier, too, don't be afraid to get help yourself as you need some strength behind you if you're going to go in and try to bless someone through That's hoarding. right. That's uh, right. It's beautiful. What a great and helpful thing to be talking about. The book, Overcoming Anxiety, Worry, and Fear, and our website, aplaceofhope.com. Do you have a final thought you'd like to share? I want to say there's hope. I began with the story of Susan, and there's a lot of Susans out there, and there's hope. You can do this, and as a family member, uh, keep it before God in prayer, but also create an action plan. Sometimes we need help with that. Here in this worn and weary land, where many a dream has died. Like a tree planted by the water, we never will run dry. So living water flowing through, God we thirst for more of you. Fill our hearts and flood our souls with one desire Just to know you and to make you known We lift your name on high Shine like the sun, make darkness
recording does look scary on the outside, and it feels even worse on the inside. I just want to remind you that you aren't stuck here. You can make changes today that'll mean a future of freedom for you. Keep moving, keep hoping, and keep believing, and keep choosing to trust and put your faith in God. He really does love you. Life, love, and family. You know the feeling where you're tired and unmotivated, and sometimes you get mad for no reason. And maybe you don't like what it's doing to your family or to your job. That's why the Center for Counseling and Health Resources has been there for people for more than 30 years. They take a whole person care approach that'll look at everything from your nutrition, your vitamin balances, your mind, your spirit. Call 1-888-771-5166. Or for help right now, visit aplaceofhope.com. 